I'm going to say a few words before I call up the esteemed panel. Good morning to everybody. Let me try and just get this back to where it should be. Uh, we're going to, I'm just going to do a, a quick little, uh, let's call it a sermonette, because there might be some people that uh, are a bit disturbed that there isn't a proper sermon today. But uh, this is our very special uh, Sunday when we showcase a large number of uh, activities, projects, etc., that people are involved in uh, in our church. And so we're cutting our time deliberately short today so that we make time to go and chat to all the folk in the hall. They have made a big commitment. They've set up their stalls. Some of them are a bit of a shock to get up this early in the morning uh, to get their stalls set up. They'll be here at 10 o'clock, and then they're coming back at 6 o'clock this evening to, uh, to be available for people to go and chat to them and find out what they're doing. But the idea isn't to... Uh, for us to go away feeling very smug and saying, wow, you know, what a great thing our church is doing, but to challenge each one of us to see how we can get alongside these folk uh, and help them in their projects to scale them up and make them even more effective, or if uh, none of the many, many things appeal to us, actually start doing something ourselves if we're not doing, doing something too. So it's not only about the, the projects and the kind of more formal structures that we'll see, because a lot of them are well-established, uh, NPOs that are active, uh, but really about asking God to show us what each one of us can be doing, and there's lots we can do. There's no excuse for any of us to say, gee, no, Lord, Lord there's nothing that I can do to, to, to help out in all, all the needs uh, that, that are around us. So uh, what, what I want to do is just quick share a quick scripture, and I have to log into my phone again to get it, about, uh, and I think it's very appropriate that uh, today is Pentecost Sunday, because without God's Spirit, then uh, all, all these things uh, would just be kind of that clanging cymbal and sounding gong that uh, are not going to uh, be, be uh, achieving much for the Lord. But I just wanted to read a, a scripture, and I've been uh, kind of thinking about this quite a lot, and the theme, as you can see over there for the last three weeks, has been serving in the city. And it really is dealing with the, the kind of twins of the gospel, being faith and action. And I just want to read uh, a short passage, two verses, in fact, from James chapter 2. You can read the whole chap chapter, uh, or the whole uh, chapter 2. It deals with uh, quite a few variations uh, of this around the whole issue of faith and works. Uh, and we know that faith on its own isn't much use because then you become uh, too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use. And uh, if you just focus on works and nothing else, then you just a do-gooder that's not going to achieve much. Uh, in the longer term in terms of uh, people saving people's souls. So James says this in uh, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So that's a passage from James. And now... Before I call the panel up, I just want to pull out a few thoughts from the last two messages that we've had uh, in our series on serving the city, which uh, I found extremely powerful and challenging, uh, and, and hopefully you have too if you've, if you've been, been at them. The, the, the first uh, message was from John Basson two weeks ago, and he preached from Jeremiah uh, 29. And so I'd encourage you, if you did uh, miss uh, these last two so, uh, messages that you uh, listen to the podcast or, uh, or go and read some of these passages yourself and reflect on them. Uh, John preached from Jeremiah 29, 
where Jeremiah was talking to the exiles in Babylon, the Jewish exiles. And obviously they were very unhappy there. They'd been carried off into exile in a strange country, strange food, strange culture, strange language, strange everything, uh, no Jewish faith there. And so they were mostly uh, pretty unhappy and miserable, I think. And this strange prophecy comes via Jeremiah and tells them, guys, you need to settle down here. You need to uh, marry, have children, plant crops, because uh, uh, this is where you're going to be for a while. So make yourself at home here in this strange place. And uh, not only that, going on to verse 7, uh, Jeremiah, or the prophecy from the Lord, says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord, for if it be, if, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so not only a message to settle down, but actually to pray for the peace and prosperity of the city. And that was a real challenge to me, because obviously in our city, uh, peace is uh, something that uh, is lacking uh, in, in a huge way. I was just reading uh, a news article that uh, over the last 24 hours, probably more now, because it was a day ago that I read this, that over 24 hours, 14 young people were murdered in gang violence. 14, just in 24 hours. So uh, our, the peace in our city is certainly lacking and something that uh, we need to be challenged by and, and ask how we can make a difference. And so the, the mes that message from uh, Jeremiah uh, to the people was not to lose their identity, and John made this point uh, clearly, it wasn't to kind of assimilate with the, the, the Babylonians and take over their culture and their faith, uh, but to keep their own faith and their culture, but not to disengage from where they were at that time. God had put them there, and they were to be part of that community, pray for the prosperity of that city, uh, and stay engaged. And, 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 and that applies to us here too. It's easy to say, oh, these problems are too big for me, and uh, this stuff's terrible out there on the Cape Flats. I'm not even going to go there because that's a scary place. So, so let me just kind of stay in my little happy church and go to life group and, and have all these comfortable people around me. So th that's the danger that we kind of become uh, too, too kind of introverted and, uh, and, and not looking out. And so the challenge from John, uh, and it was quite a strong prophetic uh, message uh, that he felt it was a calling to the church, not just to come here, but to be going out. So we get equipped here on Sundays to go out into the world. Uh, we're out there more than we're in here. And so we must take what we get here out into the world. So that was John's message from Jeremiah 29. And then last Sunday, Howard preached from Matthew 25, which was the passage about the separation of the sheep and the goats, uh, which is uh, quite a scary one, in a sense, because... Uh, uh, the goats were then asked, uh, Lord, why, why are you not letting us into heaven? And the answer that uh, comes is that uh, you didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't give me something to drink when I was thirsty. You didn't show hospitality to strangers and refugees. You didn't provide clothing to the needy. You didn't look after the sick. And you didn't visit the prisoners. And, and lovely to, to hear about uh, people visiting prisoners at Alan and the team and the others in our church that uh, have ministry among prisoners. And so the point Howard made was that uh, this doesn't get us into heaven. Uh, so this is great stuff that we should be doing and a strong message that we should be looking after the needy. But obviously uh, the gospel of Jesus uh, is the other part of it. So we, we have these kind of identical twins uh, in our faith that we need a faith. We need Jesus died for us uh, and, uh, and surrender to him, uh, repent of our sins. But then on the other hand, the other identical twin is being out there and uh, looking after the needy and the poor amongst us. So that's just a little summary of uh, 
the last two Sundays. Uh, and, and in closing, uh, Janine Ayrton, I think it was in the 10 o'clock uh, service uh, last week, uh, shared a beautiful picture she'd had, which really resonated with me. She was uh, lying in her bed, it was a cold morning, and she was cuddled up in her duvet, and she had this picture of a, a butterfly in a cocoon. And she shared that what she thought God was saying through that was that uh, if the butterfly doesn't come out of the cocoon, it can't go around and do the pollination it needs to do of all the, the plants and flowers. And uh, she thought that was a challenge to us in terms of not being in our little comfortable cocoons, but getting out there perhaps into some scary and challenging places to be sharing uh, God's love uh, out there with, with other people. So I thought that was quite a powerful uh, mes message in terms of, of that picture. So now I'm going to invite uh, my three uh, panelists to come and join me on the stage. Uh, we've selected a couple of folk from uh, the various projects uh, just to hear from them uh, what they're doing and how they got, got inspired. So if you guys could come up now, that would be awesome. I'll, I'll start introducing them briefly as they come up. Uh, Leslie Watson, who's coming up from that side. Most of you know Leslie. She's a retired school teacher and she's heeded the call to make a difference amongst the children in uh, impoverished communities. You can have, have a seat, guys. Uh, and uh, Leslie has started a ministry called Valuable to Jesus, where she works in Lavender Hill and probably some other areas as well, taking the message to primary scholars about their value to God and their purpose in the world and how the enemy seeks to destroy that through sexual abuse, pornography, prostitution, but that God can heal and restore. And you might have heard about the knitted dolls. She was asking for help to put pretty faces on them that they give each child, when they do their program in the schools, they give each child a knitted doll uh, to help the pupil see that that represents God holding them in the palm of his hand. So uh, that, that, that's uh, Leslie Watson. And then uh, Gre Greta. Uh, I, I really admire Greta. I've got small granddaughters, and so I know how stressful that can, can be. But Greta and her husband are fostering three children, two of them twins, uh, and they've got serious health challenges. And uh, that, that, that's a 24-hour job. And uh, Greta has uh, decided to uh, really commit to helping children in need She'll share how that started in the Zoe project, uh, which helps uh, with antenatal programs and, uh, and some doula work uh, in, in some very poor communities, uh, Lavender Hill Retreat, uh, and they've moved into Mowbray recently, so you'll hear more from Greta about that. And then lastly, the uh, thorn among the roses, or rose among the thorns, uh, John Masters. John is, uh, has recently retired from his day job, but not retired from uh, uh, doing work for the Lord, and he's volunteering with Life Matters. Life Matters also works uh, in, an in the educational space uh, in poor communities, doing uh, numeracy and literacy, psychosocial uh, help for, for young people. So we're going to ask, ask John how he got into that and, uh, and, and what that ministry is all about. So I've got three questions uh, for each of them. Let's get the... Have you got, got the mic? Is the mic... Uh, uh, fired up. So uh, we can't go with the guy first, John, so you better pass on there. We'll start with Leslie. So the, the first question is, and, uh, and then you, when, you've, when you've answered, you can then just pass on, because you're gonna, they each going to be answering uh, the same question. So the first one uh, is we'd like to know from them what motivated them to become involved uh, in this particular ministry. So Leslie, you're up first. Thanks. Um, I was involved with Word on the Street, which was a ministry to prostitutes and men and women on the street who were absolutely broken. They had no self-worth. 
And what was common to all of them was that they had been sexually abused. And Stratwerk, which was the umbrella organization, also had this other program, Valuable to Jesus, which is a program in schools, primary and secondary, but primary is where we're involved, um, taking a message of, of Jesus, God's love for them, and that Jesus can heal and restore. And um, we were led into Lavender Hill where there is so much brokenness. And one of us also had a brother who was um, abused as a young boy, and his, he was broken until he ended up taking his life. And so that was how she got involved in, in this program. So it, it is basically to, to help these children. It's not only sexual abuse that they are battling, but Jesus is the answer. Um, my involvement with Life Matters really started quite a while back. Um, I felt passionately for a long time that kids, particularly young kids in primary school, are, are coming through the system without a hope. They're getting shocking education. They, I saw today, or yesterday, I saw a headline that said that 50% of kids these days are not read to by their parents, have never been read to had never had a book read to by their parents. And the whole um, reading thing, if, if kids are unable to read, they, they basically don't have a chance. They're pretty much unemployable. They, they set off on such a, a bad footing. And I felt for a long time terribly burdened by this. Um, so I, I nagged Elnery for a, a while about Life Matters and I retired the end of the year before last and went along and volunteered at Life Matters um, to see what I could do, mainly doing literacy um, training. Um, I've subsequently switched to doing just numeracy. But um, one of the big things I did discover quite quickly is when you go into a school and you spend five days a week in a school, you get really, really sick. But um, <laughs> it's, it's that passion that that still, um, it's just not right that these kids are not getting a chance. So I just have felt for a long time I must do what I can. If it means I sit in a library and I read to kids, it doesn't matter. Just to give them a chance. Thanks, John. It's interesting to hear, um, you know, how this, this route goes. Because I'm involved with um, where it starts. Um, if you think about the first thousand days of a child's life, that's from conception to two years old. 80% of the baby's brain, or a child's brain, or a person's brain, develops in, two, in, in those two years. So it's of extreme importance that um, the baby is well-nurtured, um, gets enough food. You know, all of those, those nurturing things that we take for granted. Um, the statistics, like John says, it's terrible. Um, something like 43% of children, by the time that they are two years old, they are stunted, which means they haven't had the brain development, they haven't had the physical development, they haven't had the emotional development. So um, I became involved with foster care, etc., like um, Mark said, 
through the Zoe project, um, I work as a well, I worked as a, a birth companion, and I saw how the moms arrived being in labor, and many of them didn't have an idea what was happening inside their bodies. They just knew that there was a lot of pain involved, and just before they f thought they're gonna die, the baby was born. And that's what they knew. So um, I started a antenatal uh, class, it's eight weeks, where we teach the woman why it is important. Firstly, how did you fall pregnant? Because some of them really don't know. Then we go on to um, nutrition. You know, what are the, the risk factors in pregnancy? And through eight weeks, we prepare them for the moment that they, are go, that they go into labor. So, and that's where I met two different moms, um, one being that little Daniel's mom. Um, the first baby, I, I don't know, some of you might remember little Faith. I found myself sitting in the... the social worker's office one day, and, I, and he said to me, Mrs. Fenter, I believe every word that you're saying, but I don't have any way to put this little girl. And I heard myself say, I will take her. And that's where it started. Um, then Daniel came to us, pretty same story. And then the twins came. So there is such an amazing need. Um, I don't know if you saw the statistics over the week, um, during the week. Red Cross Children's Hospital um, gave some statistics that from January till the end of May, 273 children were admitted for being severely abused. Those children can't go back home because the abuse is not going to stop there. So they need to go somewhere. And very often the children are just left in the hospital because they are there's no family who is, try, who is willing to bring them into the fold. Sorry, I can, I can carry on about this take, for the whole time. Take, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Greta. Uh, and I think Gret, Greta's answered a bit of the, the second question in terms of uh, sharing a story about uh, somebody who's been impacted uh, by the ministry that you're involved in. Uh, and certainly Greta's had it up close with uh, you know, taking on this huge responsibility of, of fostering children and uh, through the mothers that she's, she's worked, worked with. So uh, we, we'll, we'll skip your, your second answer because you've already answered that. So we'll pa pass on uh, back to, uh, to John uh, around uh, a, a short story about uh, somebody, one of the children perhaps uh, that he's seen impacted. Um, yeah, I mean, I started off doing literacy and numeracy and I, I've moved now just to doing the numeracy. Um, one little kid I had last year, I always liked to challenge them. So she would get a page and work through it and when she'd write down an answer, she'd look at me and I'd say, are you sure? And her immediate reaction when she started was no. So, are you sure? No. Uh, and she'd go through and you know, she, every time ask her, are you sure? No. And I'd say, well, you should be because it's right. Yeah, and by the end of the year, I would get to the thing and she would write the answer. I'd say, are you sure? And she would say, yes. And if, if her numeracy didn't change at all, it's, it's touched her attitude a bit. I do want to pick on another two quick guys. Another chap I have at the moment is, is really good with his numeracy. He's, he's strong, but he cannot read. And he's, his reading is so weak, he's not in the reading program. 
So I've managed to, with flashcards, got him to be able to recognize the numbers, the written numbers, one to 10, and the months of the year. But you know, the tragedy is, he is his, his numeracy is really good, but he, he's just gonna run into a wall where he's gonna have to be able to read, and he just can't. But the third person I wanna talk to, the big, big change, is me. Because, yeah, I've worked with computers all my life, and it's really nice and easy. When someone gives you trouble, you control, alt, delete, and reboot. <laughs> but it doesn't work with kids, unfortunately. Oh, and um, it's, I have learned, I've seen in myself patience that I didn't think I had. And, and it's not that I have learned patience, I am learning patience, because these little kids really, really know how to push your buttons. We've, we've had over the years um, children who we see a small change in or a realization that, yes, they are watching porn and it is, now they know how harmful it is. They, they want to change and they ask for prayer. Um, but many of those who we see in grade seven, we have two parts to our program. One is a whole presentation where they all hear the main message that we, were, that we give out. But then we have a, a chance to go into grade seven classes and over five weeks really unpack each part of the message with, with the grade sevens. And they have a worksheet that they can write on and disclose sometimes what has happened or ask for prayer. And um, at the end, they are given an opportunity to accept Jesus all the way through, they hear how he can help them in this aspect or that aspect. And they, we, we take them through the prayer of repentance and accepting Jesus as their savior. And last year after this program, um, it was Ramadan, and this one girl came up to Jill with her black dookie on and said, I want to know more about God. And Jill said, that's nice, but um, aren't you Muslim? She said, yes, mom and dad are, but I can make up my own mind. And that was really quite an eye-opener. And at the end of that program, uh, when, when we work with the children, we ask them to just say if they have in their hearts um, prayed that prayer and accepted Jesus. And last term, 119 out of the grade sevens, there were about 150, 119 said that they had accepted Jesus. And they also asked for a copy of the prayer. So we printed it out. Now 119 children have gone out into Lavender Hill with that prayer that they can share with other people. And we just trust God to, to grow those seeds. And there are children who have um, disclosed severe abuse, one going through the courts, but we were able to pray especially with her and, you know, they move on to high school so we don't really see the difference. But we'd love to have help in a discipleship program. More about that in the next question. Okay, and then on, on to the last question, uh, which, uh, Leslie, see you've got the mic, you can uh, do your bit. Uh, the question is, how can we as the Connect family help your ministry to have a bigger impact? Thank you. We, there are three of us, and we are fully committed to three schools. Um, 
there are so many other schools out there. We, we've been wanting to get to the fourth school in Lavender Hill. And why Lavender Hill? Because he led us there. Um, and yes, many people are too afraid to get involved there. Jesus takes away the fear, and I, we believe he protects us. Um, perfect love drives out fear. Remember that, please. So, so we've been wanting to open up in the fourth school. We just don't have the capacity. We need people to help. So if anyone would be interested to come in and, and be with us when we uh, do that program with the grade sevens, you're very welcome. And then you can assess whether you actually would like to get involved, um, or if there's anyone who's not in the service that you might uh, mention it to because I think there are other people at the other services, Mark. So, so if you know anyone else who you think might actually want to experience what we do, um, it would be wonderful if you would share that. And um, so, so we can't grow this ministry. People say, why don't you do the schools in our areas? Our, our children in our areas do need it. They are watching porn. We're pretty sure there are some abuse, but I don't think the extent is as great as in Lavender Hill and Steenberg and, you know, nearer and nearer. But the, we're trying to get where the, the, the problem is the greatest, but we need more people. And also, those dolls Mark mentioned, we have dolls that are knitted, but they're not stuffed with the stuffing they need to be stuffed. Some are stuffed and they need to just have their arms and legs sewn and a little face put on. We need people to do that too so that we have enough to give out when we do our whole presentation. So, and, and prayer, we have um, a very faithful prayer backing, but the more prayers, um, the better. We can't do this without prayer. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, if I could just speak for probably all three of us and pretty much any Christian-based NGO out there, they, they need prayer and they need funding. Um, I don't know of any NGO really who, who seems to have enough money that they never need funding. So let's get those ones out of the way. They're always a need. From the Life Matters thing, um, I think what they tend to say is if you have an hour you can spare, come and give it. There are people who come in for just an hour, spend an hour with the kid once a week, and you know, there are plenty and plenty of kids who need help. Um, but if you can, just spend an hour. And if, you're not, if you think you're not equipped, believe me, you are, if you can read or do basic, math, basic arithmetic. But it's, it's just such a need. So if you have an hour... Um, contact Life Matters. Go to the, I presume they have a stand, but contact them and just let them know because they can use everybody's. They can use every hour. Thanks. I think when I start with um, Sparrow House and the, the children, yes, we need prayer. Um, you won't believe how relentless three, two-year-olds are. There's... <laughs> We're tired, really, really tired. So, again, if you want to come and spend time with the children, please get in touch. But also with the Zoe Project, um, we need people. We've uh, been given a fantastic opportunity to start working at Mowbray Maternity Hospital. It's not so scary to go there than to go to retreat or Hanover Park. 
Um, next week, Fridays, uh, Saturday morning, we have a meet and greet, uh, but they, there is a stand in the hall. So um, if you are interested, and it's not just the, the, the ladies, the men as well, if you have been a bookkeeper or a, an accountant, we need people with admin skills just to come and take, you know, take care of those things. So um, the guys, if you can make a mean pot of soup, we hand out meals to the women just after they've given birth. Make us a pot of soup once a month. Um, but please come and talk to us. We will find a space for you. Thank you. Thank you so much to all three of you. And, and I think uh, we're all getting the message that there's nowhere to hide. There's always something to do and no excuse for any of us. Uh, there, there's always, even if it's just putting a face on a doll, if you're a knitter and uh, can knit, uh, that, that, that's a, a simple thing to do. Uh, right through to you know, full-time commitment uh, to some of the projects. Uh, and, and what was very difficult for me was selecting uh, the sample of amazing people because uh, we have got about 23 different organizations that you're going to see in the hall just now. So it was hard to kind of isolate. And, and, and what, what I did in choosing them was try to get people that are practically involved uh, themselves with, with, uh, with some kind of volunteer work. So uh, I just want to pray for these folk and, and also for the, the other 20-odd. Uh, there are another three, uh, a different three coming to the 10 o'clock service that, that I'll interview. Uh, but really just to really pray for all these organizations. As John says, funding is always an issue. Uh, our church is pretty good at that. We, we, we raise money quite easily. Uh, so let's keep on giving, uh, but also let's get our hands dirty in, in some form or other. Uh, and I think what, what I want to challenge is that we, we're going to probably do a little survey in a few months so we can see uh, across the church, uh, not, not to kind of uh, name and shame anybody, but just to try and find out what people are doing. Because obviously there are lots of things happening that aren't being formally uh, displayed yet. We want to get that database as big as possible as to everything that's happening in the church so that we can, we can know what people are involved in it and direct people uh, to, to go and join up uh, that, that aren't kind of doing their own thing. So I'm going to pray for these folk and the others. Uh, and then uh, what uh, I just want to say a huge thank you. Uh, Sharon, who's sitting there in the corner, uh, she'll be embarrassed, but please put your hand up, Sharon so people can see who you are. Sharon has done an amazing job spending hours and hours. Now, in fact, stand up, because some people could, didn't see your hand. <laughs> that, that, that's Sharon. Sharon is uh, in our church office, and she has done an awesome job uh, herding cats, I think, with 23 organizations that are in the hall, each with their own space and all their own needs, and put together this amazing pamphlet. Thank you so much, Sharon. So you can collect this on the way out uh, in the foyer, uh, which is a list of all the organizations uh, and some others that aren't here today, what they're doing, what their needs are, how you can pray, how you can get practically involved. So grab one of these, uh, and uh, when we've closed in prayer, you can go and spend some time uh, chatting to, to all the folk out there uh, and being in, as inspired as I've been, as, I, as I've seen uh, this, this uh, bu bulletin coming together. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And a timely reminder from Leslie that really pray that the Holy Spirit will prompt. Because as, as we've said, this is a Holy Spirit thing, not something we do in our own strength. Uh, and often uh, people uh, do stuff uh, that, uh, and I mean, these three folk, uh, uh, perhaps it's rude to call them ordinary, but they are just ordinary people saying, God, here am I, you, you, you use me. Uh, and they've been used in an amazing way. So let's be praying, Holy Spirit, 
show me what you can do through me. Not what I can do uh, in terms of uh, my, my strengths, but what can you do through me? Like all those fishermen and very ordinary people that Jesus uh, uses his disciples to change the world. So let's end off in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these three folk uh, that are just available to be used by you. We really thank you for their commitment, their sacrifice, their energy, and we really just pray that you would inspire them and just give them courage as they continue to seek to serve you in these ministries that you've called them to. We pray too for everybody involved in some kind of outreach, social justice, where we are just touching lives outside of this church, Lord, being salt and light in our community. And we really pray that uh, you would, through your spirit, just really empower each one of us to just ramp up all of these projects so we can just really scale up and make even a bigger difference. Help us not to be uh, discouraged, Lord, because the problems sometimes seem so big. And when we think of gangsterism as one, one example, we wonder if, if that will ever go away or ever be dealt with. But, Lord, we know that you are big and powerful and that we just want to lean on you and trust you for the impossible. So bless each one, Lord, and challenge each one of us as we contemplate what we can do for you to make a difference in the lives of others that are less fortunate than ourselves. Amen. So thank you again, panelists. And uh, please go and spend time uh, in the hall. Uh, so don't just go and chat to your buddies like we like to do, but uh, go and say hi to your friends, obviously, but go and spend time engaging with the people that are in the hall. Thank you.